Is this house a good price compared to others in the area? Are prices going up or down? If I don't make an offer right this very moment, will I miss my chance? These are just some of the questions a home buyer might ask. And these are the sorts of questions an agent who is a Realtor can help answer. Because Realtors have the expertise, data, and access to specialty training to help you navigate the process of buying a home. They provide support, guidance, and have your back every step of the way. That's what Realtors do, because that's who we are. Realtors are members of the National Association of Realtors. Stay connected this winter with this unbeatable deal from BreezeLine. Get reliable, fiber-powered internet for just $19.99 per month with all-in pricing for two years. But that's not all. Your first month is on us. This deal gets better with a free modem and installation along with free Wi-Fi your way whole home coverage. Safeguard your network from cyber threats to keep all your devices connected and secured with this amazing offer. Act now. Terms and conditions apply. Offer expires March 3rd, 2024. Learn more at BreezeLine.com. Welcome, everybody, to Parks and Recollection. As always, it's your um, humble servant, Rob Lowe, with um, my partner, Alan Yang. How you doing, Rolo? What's up? What's up? Same old thing, man. We're talking about parks, which is always a good day. Yeah, man. This is a good episode. And uh, how's your how's your production schedule? You're running around, right? My show, Unstable, is in big-time pre-production. I love that. Is your writer's room going for uh, for the new show? Yeah, we're, we've got five episodes written. Oh, wow. And to put it in perspective, on Lone Star, I don't think we ever had a written episode for the finale. I don't think, I don't think we ever did. <laughs> they're still writing it now. Weirdly, yeah, it's, it's it, in the can. It's going to air, but I they're know. still working on it. They're still noodling that Act I, 2 break. They're like, I'm telling you, man, it's, it's, it, it, there's a lot of ways to skin a cat. Does it, there really are, doesn't, uh, doesn't eight sound good though? Does is it like, oh wow, eight. It's like, we're, we got five. I mean, <laughs> on a 22 show, you're like, ah, oh, we're quarter way there. I, I was talking to some other showrunners and they're like, yeah, everyone has a different way of doing it because there's different, you know, like uh, if you're on a 22 episode network show, you cannot be on set and in the editing room and writing right. at the same time. So a lot of those people sacrifice the set. And then meanwhile, I was talking to someone else who does a you know, show where you write it beforehand and then you can do the whole thing. You can be on set every second of every day. It it's is. A different it's, thing. it's super. I mean, they both have their benefits. Um, they they yes, do. There's absolutely. there's a, the bank account very much likes 22 episodes. The, the, uh, very <laughs> much, it's a, I That's don't know true. nothing about nothing, but I know 22 is a lot more than eight. Yeah. It's like a, it's an episodic fee. So, yeah. I mean, can you imagine, you know, you're doing eight episodes of Stranger Things and then you're doing your next eight episodes two and a half years later. Not good. Not, 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 not financially the best thing ever. No, it's insane. My girlfriend is on a show called Dave on uh, FX and she's a series regular and they, you know, they've taken a ton of time off. And so you do, yeah, they do 10 episodes every like three years. Or think about Atlanta. Atlanta took like five years off or whatever. So it's like, you got to eat, you got to do other stuff in between. All right. Should we get into it, Rob? Today we have Eagleton. This is, um, I always like spending time in Eagleton because let's face it, Eagleton is a nicer town than Pawnee. There I said it. It is. I said it out loud. It is. 
Shall we do the details? All right, episode title, Eagleton, as Rob mentioned. It's written by High Point, North Carolina's own Emily Spivey, directed by O'Tour, indie film darling Nicole Holofcener, genius. Original air date, May 5th, 2011. The blurb, Leslie asks for help from a frenemy when the city of Eagleton puts a fence around one of Pawnee's parks. Mm. The Nopes Notes, Parker Posey. Guest star in this episode was a big fan of the show and a friend of Amy Poehler. She really wanted to be in the cast. Took until season three. This character and storyline was basically written for her. Amy told her they'd be enemies and get to fight in trash together. What an enticement for an actor. Uh, Leslie invited everyone Anne knows to Anne's last birthday party. Apparently, Ron was invited because he didn't know what Leslie did for Anne until she told him. <laughs> the fight scene between Leslie and Lindsay was performed with stunt women during temperatures of more than 100 degrees. Hot garbage, yeah. I see in the notes. Ugh. That is literally hot garbage. And The Bridge on the River Kwai from 1957 is one of the movies Leslie provides for Ron. In a season five episode, Ron says, I've seen three movies in my life. Bridge on the River Kwai, Patton, and Herbie Fully Loaded. Not an oops moment. Ron just didn't end up watching The Dirty Dozen. So, so good. <laughs> I love that joke. I love that joke. Now, I can never pronounce Nicole's last name. And you just did it beautifully. Hit, it, hit me with it again. Hall of Center, I believe. Hall, uh, Nicole directed an episode that I wrote, so I remember her uh, very fondly. And it was it was a treat having her on the show. She's directed a bunch of great movies. Dude, she's a big time movie director. And listen, she is big. You know, we have you know uh, you know there's m- m- less and less there's a dividing line between movie directors and TV directors in our business. But um, still, when when you walk on a set and you have a noted uh, you know, auteur movie director literally just coming in for a week and and doing it. It's pretty exciting. It's so cool. And she has her own voice, She but she also works well on television. You know, she got nominated for an Oscar in 2019 for uh, Can You Ever Forgive Me? Um, she just recently co-wrote uh, uh, The Last Duel with uh, Matt Damon and Ben Affleck for Ridley Scott. Um, and, and she directed Friends with Money, Enough Said, Walking and Talking. So she is a uh, she is no tour, and it's yeah, like you said, it's fun to get someone of that caliber come and, and play with us, and and um, yeah, it, it's it's and sometimes just a slight digression in the difference between movies and television, like you said, in television, you're you're kind of working with an existing team, and you're kind of in some ways, you know, executing the vision of the showrunner. In this case, Mike Shore, or, or as as people when they want to be uncharitable, say you're a traffic cop. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's been said. It's been said. Ah, well, you're a glorified AD or whatever. I don't think that's the case. I think there's a balance to be struck of bringing, you know, something of yourself to it, yep. and ideally, you're adding some of your own creativity and your own vision, um, but always within, hopefully, the confines of the show. And maybe you can push those boundaries a little bit, and maybe they give you the reins, they give you a little bit more freedom. But in the case of Nicole, she's great with actors, uh, as I'm sure you experienced, and um, she's very fun. And she also was like, you know very sort of cool to work with with the writers on set she would ask a lot of questions and 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 just say like well what do you guys normally do and and she was not at all you know sort of my way or the highway which i think happens sometimes not always but sometimes with film directors yeah she was great my my memory of her on this episode is that she um was um in between takes when she had time was writing her next movie which is always cool to see when that happens that is crazy that's actually really crazy um, and I'm sure it got made and became something cool. Uh, all right, let's get into the synopsis. Eagleton, a more prosperous neighboring town of Pawnee, has erected a tall fence in the shared Lafayette Park to keep Pawnee residents at a distance. Leslie's theory is that it's the work of Lindsay Carlisle Shea, Parker Posey. 
the Eagleton equivalent of Leslie. Lindsay is a former Pawnee Parks Department employee and used to be Leslie's best friend. While dealing with the fence, Leslie also discovers Ron's upcoming birthday, a date he has kept secret for years. Leslie promises a horrified and annoyed Ron that she will throw a surprise party for him. It's a very funny cold open where she's kind of done the investigation. We've established Ron is a very private character, and uh, it ends up uh, being that Leslie finds out his birthday from an employee at Baskin Robbins. <laughs> so, so it's, 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 uh, and because he wanted a free ice cream for his birthday. I thought that was a very funny way of, for Leslie to do that detective work. Uh, do you remember any of the, the, the pitches for other ways that Leslie might find out his birthday? I think it was a lot of like going to the government, various government departments, but then we kind of hit on the joke of like, he's had that all redacted, like he's two steps <laughs> ahead of her. So he, she goes through the documents and shows them all blacked out. So it's like, okay, she could have done the digging, you know, she could have gone to the fourth floor, she could have gone, you know, to the other departments, the, the DMV or whatever. I think in Indiana, it's the BMV. Anyway, in California, it's the DMV. But uh, it, it, uh, so I think someone pitched uh, that, that she would uh, go to Baskin Robbins because he likes rum, raisin, ice cream and, and, uh, <laughs> and find out there. Bassy Robbins still exists, right? Bassy Robbins still going, right? Is the ice cream store still going? Because an ice cream is is my Achilles. And I, I hesitate to use the word Achilles around you. Um, <laughs> hey, man. Yeah. How dare you? It's a very traumatic experience. No, I, I've gotten over it. My Achilles are strong now. They're strong now? After I've torn both of them. For those uninitiated, I've torn both of my Achilles tendons playing basketball. I tore one. Then five years later, I rehabbed, played played basketball for another five years in the uh, and uh, I tore my other Achilles. So I don't play basketball anymore. Wait, but it uh, literally, but, uh, your Achilles yes. is your actual, it is your Achilles. Yes. Very ironic because a guy who's always running and walking and all that shit and uh, <laughs> tore both my Achilles. But I'm fine well, now. Bas- Baskin Robbins and ice cream is my Achilles. I, in fact, I was just walking into the studio. I was, I, I honestly, you want to know what I think about my spare time? Walking in to record this, I was like, I need to go home and throw the ice cream out. I, I do. I need to throw it <laughs> out. It's in your, if it's in your house, you, if it's in your house, that's the problem. Yes. If it's not there, you, you're not going to go out and buy no. it or like get it delivered. Like it's a, it's the activation energy. When the activation energy is walking your fridge and opening it, you'll just have some, you'll just, oh. do, you, do you eat straight out of the pint? Are you straight yeah, out of the pint? Yeah, right so out. that's. It's pinted up. You know, look, if that's your only vice like that, it could be worse. And, you know, you couldn't tell from looking at it. Well, it's the, the good people at Atkins who I've been working with for years, they they figured out ways to make every one of my other, like there's like their version of Atkins Doritos, there's energy bars, there's candy bars, and, and they they literally are great for you and they taste great. So I do that, but they haven't made ice cream yet. And that's a problem. It's a real problem. That's That sounds pretty good. Yeah. That sounds pretty good. I'm going to fix it. Uh, and is this the first introduction of Eagleton, Greg? Is this the first time? It's is it? Me- I mean, like it, it must be mentioned before this, but I feel like this we, we actually dig into it and show that it's a rich town. Is that that's right? Right. Um, in fact, we're going to get to that when we talk about an oops moment. But we've mentioned Eagleton before, and we've changed some of the details a little bit to make it make sense in this episode. Right. 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 And I, I feel like again, just a little bit of the backstory, like you know. One of Mike Shore's favorite shows is Cheers, right? And and, and not that there was this show was entirely modeled after Cheers, but there are some similarities. And there's a there's an episode in Cheers called Bar Wars, and they there's a rival bar called Gary's Old Town Tavern. That's the rival bar to Cheers. And so there's a couple like Eagleton is kind of Pawnee's Gary's Old Town Tavern, but there's also like the library department is the parks department's Gary's Old Town Tavern. So there's so many episodes of parks that eventually like you just start getting more and more rivals. So we've already established the library department. We've established some of the other government departments. 
but now we have a whole other town, which is kind of fun, right? It's like world building. It's it's sometimes during a sitcom you don't get to do that kind of stuff, but it, in this case of Parks and Rec, it's kind of cool to build out the world so much so that we always say Pawnee is like Springfield. In this case, they have another town. It's like Springfield has Shelbyville, if you've seen The Simpsons. So this is kind of like there. Anyway, this is all the sitcom theory. So uh, very, very funny. Um, all right. Tom comes in super pissed. They put up a fence. Yeah. So so it's always funny when uh, when the team comes in and they kind of agree with Leslie. A lot of times Leslie's doing something and no one agrees with her. But in this case, uh, there's there's sort of a lot of momentum in the story. Yeah. Team Coco. Oh, here's a little note. Team Coco has a podcast called The Juice about small town drama, and this Parks episode would fit in perfectly. What is this? What is this podcast about, Schulte? It's uh, hosted by Solomon Giorgio, and he's done with celebrity gossip. He's done with all of the hot button issues. He wants to hear small town gossip. Mm. I figured if <laughs> any episode would be perfect for that, it's an Eagleton episode. Oh, that's what the juice is about. I just assumed it was a, an overarching deep dive into O.J. Simpson. <laughs> so this is an interest, kind of an interesting thing when I was watching this one, because, again, when you've worked on all the episodes, they all kind of like have some not blurring together, but you forget what happened when. So Lindsay Carlisle Shea is the Eagleton version of Leslie. But then later... We we did another Eagleton episode called yes. the Pawnee Eagleton Tip Off Classic, which is season six, which is like three years later. And in that one, Kristen Bell is in it. That's the one I I really remember that one. Yeah, that that. So I get these two confused sometimes because they're both about Eagleton. And in that one, there's an Eagleton councilwoman played by Kristen Bell. Uh, named Ingrid DeForest. So it's it's they blur together, but this is the OG. This is the original one. And I think I think we wanted that her not to not just be like, you know, an evil version of Leslie. I think it's like there's some backstory where they used to be friends and she had plastic surgery. So that was kind of interesting. And also sets up the fight a little bit uh, for the next episode. But yeah, so th- I found that interesting as well. Um, and then one last thing before we move on synopsis, the idea of Ron's birthday floated around in the writer's room for a long time. Um, he had his birthday redacted from government files. And so we had this, you know, in a writer's room, you have note cards with all your ideas. And so I think Ron's birthday was literally just a card that sat in the room for years. It was just sitting in the room. It was like, okay, what's the, we, sometimes it, like there'll be an idea that you like, but it, it never quite get, never quite gets cracked. And so this one is like Ron's birthday, just sitting on the wall, like haunting us for years. And finally it got broken for this story. And uh, I thought the ending particularly is great, but yeah, it's a, it's a good B story. Yeah. All right, moving on. Synopsis, in the standard style of a disorderly public meeting, the citizens of Pawnee call for the fence to be removed. Leslie meets with Lindsay, who refuses to take the fence down and insults Pawnee in the process. Leslie, Tom, and Ben attend a catered Eagleton Town meeting inside a country club to plead their case to its citizens. The people of Eagleton are wealthy and civil, but also incredibly condescending. Citing the poor maintenance of Pawnee's side of Lafayette Park, the Eagleton citizens would like the fence to stay up. Leslie reveals to Tom and Ben that she was offered the job of Eagleton Park's director five years ago, but turned it down. At the same time, Leslie and Lindsay both promised to remain in Pawnee. However, Eagleton then offered Lindsay the job, and she accepted, turning her back on Pawnee and worse, Leslie. Yeah. Um, this is... Uh, <laughs> kind of reminiscent of like it's so it's like Eagleton's like kind of the newer town it's kind of like when in a small town uh 
they build a second high school. Have you ever been like in our in my high school? I went to Riverside Polytechnic High School. Uh, shout out to, to Riverside Poly Bears. Uh, and they built uh, they built a new one. They mar- built Martin Luther King, and like King High School is just better. <laughs> it's like a nicer high school. <laughs> like I think they they have better test scores and stuff. I think so. It's where uh, it's where uh, NBA superstar Kawhi Leonard went. Ooh, so. <laughs> I was gonna say so they have a better gym, and then you said Kawhi Leonard went. There you go. They have a better gym. The guys are not blowing out their Achilles like me. <laughs> so. <laughs> A lot can happen between falling in love with a house online and owning it. Between imagining living there and breathing in your new home for the first time. Having an advocate who can help you navigate the complex world of financing, inspections, negotiating, analyzing the market, and talking through any anxieties that may pop up, that can make all the difference. That's what the expertise of a Realtor can do for you. Realtors are members of the National Association of Realtors and bound by a code of ethics. Because that's who we are. Save big money in your next project with help from Menards. Move water where you need it quickly with a Barracuda sump pump. Sump pumps keep your basement dry when big storms hit unexpectedly. Get a half-horsepower cast-iron Barracuda sump pump on sale now through May 5th. Hurry into Menards and don't forget to check out our weekly flyer on Menards.com for all the great deals happening now. Save big money at Parker Posey wanted to come in. I think we gave her this villain role. What what is it like when when you play someone villainous as opposed to someone heroic? Like, what is your uh, what what is your take well, on that? Particularly in comedy, my two favorite comedy archetypes are comedy villain, and I did I did so many of them that I kind of almost don't do them anymore. Because um, and it started with Wayne's World, you know, and. Um, Tommy Boy. <laughs> it's like that Tommy Boy. Um, oh man. You're, right. And 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 they they those movies worked so well and there's people so they're so in the consciousness it's like I for a long time I was like the go-to you know kind of uh movie comedy villain. The the other thing that though that I love in comedy is comedy idiot. That's the best. That's you know pl- playing a person who has no idea that they're just an idiot is one of my one of my faves. And if you can combine that with a villain, that's super duper fun. But um, villains are always great parts. They're always like, you always come in and, and, you know, crush. It's more fun to write. I mean, look at, I mean, think about like the Disney villains. Think about like, you know, all the, it's just easier to write. It's more fun. You know, it's like the hero's got to do the right thing. The villain can go on monologues. The villain is evil. And like the same thing, by the same way, same, same thing with comedy idiot. Like I think on this show, it's, it's kind of the Andy Dwyer character or like, you know, Homer Simpson, Michael Scott. It's just, yep. you just, it's a home run. These other characters, we love them. They're great. They're amazing. But when you have a, a kind of a, a, an idiot, it's like, you just, it's so easy to write the jokes. And they, we, we talk about <laughs> how right. in a scene, like, it's it's like whose comedy game overwhelms the rest and it's always hard to top the guy who's or, or the lady who's just just t- totally oblivious and just kind of it's it's just hard it's such a fun game you know you can always write a joke for that for that character and and on the other side of it it's also i have tons of respect and and it's also fun to do when you're not the joke engine because th- that archetype is always a great joke engine but then if you're like Krasinski in the office where he's got to be sort of the quasi-romantic lead, not necessarily a joke engine, but still has to be funny. 
Yeah. You know, that's, um, and like Adam Scott kind of has that in yeah. Perks. And you're driving story a little bit. You're doing, yeah. but you kind of have to do both. Keep it real. It's like, it's, it's so it's a challenge. Um, and shout out to Parker Posey in this episode. I remember actually at, long after this episode was made, uh, I was on a Tribeca Film Festival jury and Parker Posey was on this jury as well. And it was, uh, it was me and Parker Posey and Mark Consuelos. <laughs> like, and, and not, not joking. We were judging, uh, so, uh, like documentary like short films or something so we had to watch like 50 documentaries like if, if someone ever asked it was just a little, little, little note if anyone would ask you to build a be on a film festival jury it's a huge honor it's great but then you have to watch like a hundred movies or whatever it is and documentary short films are always very serious i mean most of them are serious right it's yeah. like about really serious stuff about you know discrimination or you know, or, or the Holocaust or all these tragedies. So we, we, you know, we watch this movie come, we come in and like, I just remember Parker coming in really with a head of steam and be like, I know exactly which movie should win and like making a very passionate argument. So, you know, she watched the movies. I, 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 will, I will give her credit. She watched the movies. Wait, are you so implying that you there. did not watch the movies? Oh, I watched them all. Well, you know what helped? Documentary shorts, not full length. Oh, yes, <laughs> so, yes. so at the very least, yes. at the very least, they were like under half an hour okay. or something. But okay. no, I still remember that experience. Um, and then debating, debating for a long time. Um, a couple other uh, little notes of this uh, I really enjoy. So if you see this character named Pearl, you never we never say his name, I think, but uh, there's a writer named Mike Scully. Um, Famous. He ta- yes, he legendary writer, helped ran The Simpsons when, when it was in its peak and its prime. Um, and we loved Scully in the room. So we, we ended up, he never wanted to act in the show, but we just kept forcing him to act in the show. So he's one of the citizens. Uh, but there's, he just has such a funny way of talking that we just kept forcing him to be in the show. And, and so there's a little, uh, Easter egg if you see him, uh, pop up. You just know that he, uh, was, probably very reluctantly doing this but uh amy loved him and amy would always i think when later amy would host award shows like golden globes or whatever she'd always ask scully to write some jokes for her because he was such a powerful joke writer guys i have uh, pearl's line for you um so he stands up and he says why don't we put a fence around their fence and uh, uh my favorite part about this is that in the uh, action line it says she looks very pleased with herself. So, so we Pearl was written as a woman. Yes, that's why his name is Pearl. That's, so we wrote it. So we write. We would write these things obviously without the actors yet. So we would have just a bunch of names, and then I think this. I think is this this his first appearance? I think I think Pearl may have come up once before. But what I really love is that um, Amy and he and, and Scully then improvised, and she's like, "Well, what would that do?" Because that's not in the script. And he would say, "Well, it, you know, that way it would give us, you know." two fences i know i remember we'd always crack up the way he did that because we didn't see that line coming and the way he delivered it was just so coy and sly yeah so understand he's like well it's obvious that we get two fences like it's like, but it's like well, yes, obviously you want extra fences it's like anyway he's he's uh he's a treat very nice gentleman and uh if you get the chance to work with him i highly recommend it um yeah he's a show he's another show with amy i think it's a show called duncanville on on uh on Fox, I think it's an animated show that Amy voices in. Okay, uh, moving on. Ron becomes increasingly paranoid of Leslie's birthday party, especially after he overhears April and Andy discuss outrageous plans. 
When Ron learns what a huge party she threw for Anne's birthday, he becomes so paranoid that he resorts to sleeping in his office to avoid any potential surprises (laughs) at home. While this is happening, Leslie seeks revenge against Lindsay by getting her park's employees to throw garbage over the Eagleton side of the fence. When Lindsay arrives to stop it, the two get into a fight amid the garbage bags. The police arrive and arrest both women. Lindsay is jailed in Pawnee, while Leslie is jailed in Eagleton's pristine holding sale. Now, why why do they go to different jails here? <laughs> that, that, I wasn't really, I didn't really understand why they got placed in opposite. Also, like that doesn't. I, I think some of that stuff got cut because Lindsay goes to jail in Pawnee. Like I feel like maybe there's some stuff of her being in a bad cell. Maybe not, but Leslie's cell is funny. It's like it's a very nice, like uh, beautiful cell with uh, people are very nice and playing music and stuff. Different jurisdictions, I guess, right? Uh, yeah, yeah, maybe I they're mean, on different borderline, right? <laughs> it is so funny when you watch, I was rewatching the episode and you see the Pawnee police show up. It's just the Chief Hugh Trumple. But then you see like four Eagleton cops arrive on their segways. And like, okay, so they're both, they're on the border, I guess. But we never do explain <laughs> explain why one goes, to, I guess it's like some kind of compromise. But like, I'll take this one, you take that one. It's never right. really explained. It's not explained. I think it's really just for the gag of Leslie being in a nice jail. I mean, they could have gone to that jail together. Anyway, should we reshoot the whole episode? <laughs> feels, like yes. a, feels like a story. Or do some ADR, ADRs. Yeah. For the uninitiated ADRs, when you go back in and you just add a line on like someone's back. Or like you don't see the front of their, you don't see their mouth moving. So they just add a line in and... uh I've been doing a lot of that, so not a lot, but you know, we're mixing our show right now. So it's like you have, you have, you have my Rudolph come in, and like she just says some line, you could be on her, the back of her head or something. It's kind of fun. It's usually to shore up some plot points. Yes, that, that's not entirely clear. Yeah, or or you cut some stuff, and then it's like you got to get this story out in the next scene. It happens. It happens, guys. No, no script is perfect as much as you want it to be. Um, we had a little prompt here. How would Chris Traeger throw a surprise party for Ron or any of the cast? That's kind of well. Chris Traeger, like uh, like Mr. Rob Lowe, lo- likes a good celebration. Um, so I, I I think Chris would would uh, would would uh, love the chance to throw literally any kind of party for um, uh, for Ron Swanson, um, and there would be meat, lots and lots of meat, and um, guns, weapons, all <laughs> kinds of weapons. Maybe maybe shooting weapons at meat <laughs> would be something that Ron would enjoy. I, How's that? How's that for a, it, a quick uh, little uh, improv? It's good, and it's also like it's it's because Chris is so nice. Even though he doesn't believe in that, he would do it for Ron, and he would. That's right. Really, <laughs> he would. I think he would have a great time because he knows his friend Ron is having a good time himself, and he would hope everyone would come <laughs> and just be very shooting weapons at meat. Shooting yeah. weapons at meat is a good one. <laughs> Um, just a, just a note to when, uh, Anne walks in and has a bunch of balloons, really good balloon popping by Nick, like really, really accurate. And then the way the balloon rotates at the end, it says, get well soon, Tyrone, it's for a sick child. Like that's the kind of thing where like, you don't appreciate like as a, like as a viewer, like how you have to get the balloon to rotate the right way. Like as a, as a director, I'm like freaking out about the logistics of the balloons. Cause you know, you're having a million meetings about that and like, Oh, what do they look like? And what, what if you don't see it? It's like, Oh, I just know that took a bunch of takes. So shout out to that. Also, scene. The, also the thing of like, you want it to happen in a frame with other things happening. You don't want to just isolate yes. it and have somebody move it below the frame, which you could do, but then it's not funny. Exactly. Like that, like they sometimes say comedy works best in like the medium, right? It's not a bunch of close-ups. Yep. It's not like a bunch of inserts. Like 
So what Rob is saying is right. If you just cut to the balloon turning and seeing like it looks fake, like it'll look fake in the cut. And so, um, well, it looks like what it is plan. Yes. Plan. That's a huge thing where it's like, you just can't have everything be worked over. I think that's a, that's actually a real thing in comedy. I think seeing things be over-directed and then you lose, you suck some of the life out of it. You don't get any of the comedy. Yep. Um, some of the things behind Parker Posey in the Eagleton public forum, uh, governor's upcoming visit. And then another thing is Eagleton budgetary surplus. So there's these, these tiny details. Shout out to uh, the set deck department of just, you know, being aware that Pawnee has had a horrible budget crisis for nine episodes. Meanwhile, Eagleton sitting there with a surplus. Um, and yeah, foreshadow some season six storylines, as we mentioned before. Oh, I also like that the Eagleton Public Forum gift bag includes an iPod Touch. Best. Very of its time. So great. So time capsule Yeah. iPod Touch. It's like that. That was like, right. It was like, by the way, the iPod just got discontinued. Today, yesterday. That? It's, yeah. Yeah. It's so as we're recording this, uh, it'll give you some, some sense of when we're recording, but the iPod just got discontinued and I'll never forget like the iPod shuffle oh. era, the iPod, like it's like there's that, so many. How about the sound it would make when you would, when you would turn the, the dial? dial? I mean like, and also I, I don't know if you ever had this. I had a, like a, I had an MP3 player that only had like 13 songs. Yes. <laughs> like you had to like change them in and out. Yep. Like, like it's the Rio. Yeah. It's a, I had a Rio. I think it was like, oh, I, what are my 13 songs going to be? Like, that's so crazy. And then the iPod came out and it was revolutionary. All you kids out there, all you young kids, yeah. don't take this for granted. Every song in the history of humankind available at the touch of a button immediately. That is not how life used to be. No, the, I, I think we all need to pour one out for the iPod touch later yes. today. Shout out to the iPod. Um, shout out to Steve Jobs. But it was it was in every swag bag, and it was like the like the the, the re gift they kept on giving. Yes, and do you remember the other swag gift I remember from around that era was the the flip video camera. It was like a little it was like a little video camera that like before iPhones. It was pretty small and it recorded pretty good video. I remember getting that sometimes for like doing a round table or whatever, yep. showing up or whatever. It's like, um, and, and it was just that era. It was right before like everyone in the, in the entire world had a smartphone that did all of this stuff and you didn't need to have multiple devices. Um, yep. Shout out to this uh, garbage fight too. I, I always love, take a look, uh, <laughs> take a look at, we mentioned Texas switch in a different episode. It, it, it's, it's, <laughs> you, watch for when it switches to the stunt women, because at a certain point, the, the, <laughs> the stunt woman for Amy throws herself at the stunt woman for Parker Posey in a way that is extremely violent and, and really aggressive. Like I think whoever was directing this, I guess Nicole was directing this episode. Like they just was no holds barred. It's like, just fling yourself at her as hard as you can into the garbage they, but watch for the switch and then also like Andy hits Aziz I think that's also stunt people right I mean I don't know I actually should go back and look at the, the scene but like uh, Aziz falls into the garbage so I think that's a stunt person too <laughs> like I think that that's like I think that's what's happening happening there that's too good. but yeah very aggressive and uh, it's always funny when stunt people are in a comedy because like they're so used to doing like whatever superhero movie and then they come in they're like this is so easy this is like nothing this is like one thing they only kind of have one no one gear you know that's my favorite thing about yes. stunt people they have one gear which is to make it as badass as they can and my favorite is always when it's like something super benign and they just want to take 
your head off. I'm like, no, no, no. You just, this is just a, that's just like a slap. And they like do it decapitate you because they're stunt people. It's what they do. This is a good sort of, I mean, it, it, to touch, talk about production for a second, like yeah. any department you're talking to, like you're saying stunt guys are really stunty. Like they want to do every, that goes for every department when you're directing yes. or show running or whatever. It's like, you're talking to the props department. They want the props to be really like showy and ornate. You're talking to the production design department. They're like, what if the set looks like this? And it's unbelievable. It's like, no, no, no. It needs to be just like a normal room. But they always want it to be because because they, they have to take pride in their job, right? And yeah, so every department yeah. would tell you hair and makeup. It's like, what if the hair looks like this? It's like too much. That's <laughs> too much. But the makeup's too much. Like it's like, but not and again. Not to say, of course, people take pride in their jobs and and, and they want you know they're always. It's like it's it's like a family. It's like everyone is looking out for their own department, and that's good in a way. And I think you kind of have to conduct that conduct that circus sometimes. Yeah. Um, and oh, I, we got to talk about the kiss. It's we got to yes. talk about. Uh, so we're at the point in the episode where where Chris grabs Ron and kisses him. We got to talk about this, Ron. What, 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 what was this? What was this day like? I remember it. I remember it vividly, like it, like I like it was yesterday. First of all, you know, I've talked about it a lot. I love everybody on the show, and we all got along great. We were, you know, we just lo- legitimately loved everyone, and I loved Nick. Still do, I still do. And um, I just, it was not in the script. Um, that's just me, <laughs> and I, and he didn't know what was happening, and I just grabbed him and gave him the biggest kiss imaginable, and. <laughs> It just, I was overwhelmed with wanting to kiss this man. And so I did it. <laughs> it I mean, he's a very lovable guy. Like, he's a lovable guy. It's, it, it may, like, uh, there's a lot of funny jokes in this episode. When watching this, I was like, this made me laugh out loud just because it's like, how, why would this happen? And like, well, this is so funny. Like, this <laughs> is just, like, it's so funny. It, it's just, I don't know. I mean, t- well, you know that, like, if I was going to kiss anybody, the person who, the character that would be the most uncomfortable would for sure be Ron Swanson. Yes. So it just, it, it just, I guess in that unconscious level, I knew that if I, that that would be good story and a good, a good, a good joke, it's right? It's amazing. You made your time this episode count. And it's like, it, it he is like, by the way, like, it, it, yeah, he's just so lovable. You're like, yeah, you want to kiss him. This is, this is, he's in the background of this shot right now. This is, this is Ron. This is. There you, oh, look! You got oh, going to see a little behind this, the curtain. Yeah, a little behind. This is Nick Offerman. It's, uh, this, um, after this episode that I wrote, uh, he he gave me this photo, and it says it's signed by him. It's kind of nice. Oh, it's the best. He's yeah, the best. He's the best dude. It's one of my favorite moments, actually, of of Chris's. It really is just so funny. You know, it's like you you made your time count in this in this. Well, episode. that is the other thing is it's like it's like a light. Chris is light, and in this episode, and uh, and that yeah. is, uh, you know, as an actor. Again, there are no small parts, only small actors. You know, you can always find a way to to pop. I have to say what I love so much about this kiss, I'm pulling up the script right now. And, uh, you know, normally your line is the line, hey, happy birthday. And afterwards, Ron just says, thank you. And I have reason to believe that any moment, Leslie's planning to throw me a party. And that's exactly how it is in the script. That he, he, <laughs> that's it. normally Ron's character, I think, would be so taken aback by this, but he's so stressed about the surprise party potential or any kind of thing that he just blows through it. I think it's a continuation. It's, it lives in the, um, in the timeline of uh, the massage train. <laughs> That where you like kind of first meet Ron. Yes, yes, one hundred percent massage train. 
Yes. There, there's like a secret sensuality of the Chris Jager character <laughs> that, we, that we don't delve into that much. But there's probably some fan fiction written about this somewhere. So send in your fan fiction if you have any Chris Rock. They're very fiction. similar in a way. They're very in tune and yes. an idea of who they are, their their ethics and, and their, you know, their ego in a way. But they're very different versions of confident men. Yeah, that's a good point. Self-possessed, confident, mas- two two versions of confident masculinity. To be honest, it takes many forms. So, <laughs> and for me, what I like about this, it, it that's super emblematic of what I loved about my time on the show is like you you allow yourself you have, first of all you have the instinct, which is one thing. You allow yourself to do it, which is another thing, and then it works, which is another thing. And and you only get that in a certain type of show, and this was that show. Yes. And then it's in the cut. And I, I would echo that and say on this show, it was my experience and it sounds like yours as well. There was no possessiveness about, hey, that's my idea, your idea. Who, who did the right. idea come from? Best idea wins. Yep. And it's in the cut. You know, it's like it, it, I felt like that in the writer's room where it's like, you know, it doesn't matter who the idea comes from. If it's good, it's good. It gets in there. It's steal funny, from everybody. Fun. Take so, from everybody. Exactly. Steal from oh, everybody. Man. Accept from everybody. Always. Good ideas are like gold. I don't care who it comes yep. from. <laughs> That's always my policy. Can you imagine if that if you did do that with gold though? Somebody said, "Hey, I got some gold here." Well, I don't know. I'm not going to take it from you. It's not my. Yeah, I didn't make I that. I didn't find that gold. Well, I didn't pan for that gold. <laughs> yeah, I didn't find that gold. I don't want it. <laughs> we laugh, but there are people who do it. So many, it, it's, it, it is a real thing. It is a real thing in, in our industry, for sure. All right, after Anne bails Leslie out of jail, she tells her that Lindsay built the fence to get a rise out of Leslie because she's jealous that Leslie was offered the Eagleton job first. Anne suggests that Lindsay should be hit with a baseball bat, <laughs> which gives Leslie the idea to turn Pawnee's side of Lafayette Park into a wiffle ball field, with a fence serving as the outfield wall. Lindsay is impressed by how fast Leslie turned the fence into something positive and remembers why she and Leslie joined the parks department in the first place. With their relationship on the mend, the two agree to get a drink together. Very sweet. I'm a big uh, wiffle ball fan. Huge. And I've never been able to play wiffle ball in a wiffle ball park. It's on my bucket list. I mean, just a just a wiffle ball park. <laughs> She's like, also the speed with which she erects this field. It's like, man, we've been trying to build a park by Ann's house for like years. <laughs> she builds a wiffle ball park in a second. <laughs> but uh, it's very, very. Uh, it's a, it's one of the most parksy endings I've ever seen. Where she, it's like making lemons out of lemonade, right? Right, making lemonade out of lemons, right? Yeah. Immediately, and then she mends fences, literally mends fences with her friend. A um, little little piece of trivia here. The exterior of the Eagleton Correctional Facility is the Prowers County Courthouse in Lamar, Colorado. <laughs> Sometimes, I, So is that just stock footage then? I guess that's just stock be, footage. Right? Why, yeah, why I, Lamar, Colorado? I don't know. I think it's just... I don't think we sent a unit out there. <laughs> No, we didn't send we didn't send a unit there. No, so sometimes they just pull stock footage. Uh, stock footage. So that's what that is. Um, yeah, it, it it's uh it, it. This is also this episode's kind of at least helps with the idea that these characters have lives outside of the the characters in the show, and and uh, you know it's a friendship outside of Anne that Leslie wasn't always friendless until Anne came along, and it kind of sets up as we mentioned the, the fight, which is the next episode, a great episode. Um, where Leslie doesn't want to go down the same path with Anne that she did with Leslie, or that she did with Lindsay, rather. All right, later, Leslie returns to the office to throw Ron's party. She takes him to an empty room with steak, whiskey, and his favorite movies waiting for him, and reveals that April and Andy's duties were red herrings. Leslie explains that she made a party that he would want, and leaves a content Ron alone to enjoy his birthday. Aww. I love this end scene. Yeah, it's 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 it 
it it's so sweet. She has a steak, some lagavulin, some movies set up, and some bacon. And <laughs> yeah, it's it's. Uh, I, I remember uh, Rashida cried at the table read during this scene. It was just very sweet, and it's like we were finding our groove in the show. And you know, it's kind of them admitting that they respect each other and even admire each other. And the scene really makes you want to eat a steak too. You, you watch the scene, and it's like for everyone who's not vegetarian. I love I love mo- scenes in movies and TV shows that make me want to do something. Like, yeah, it's like you look at it, it's like, man, that looks really good. And by the way, the tag is just him eating the steak. It's just him sitting there eating. There's no dialogue. It's just him watching Bridge on the River Quiet eating the steak. By the way, little check-in on uh, gifts, parties, and jobs. Uh, this, this episode ends with a party, basically, where she gives Ron a gift, the steak and the whiskey, and they talk about a job she didn't take the job in Eagleton that she didn't take. And it's kind of a discussion of that. So um, very sweet ending and, and kind of cool because it's a A story, B story crossover. All right. Uh, final thoughts on this. I, you know, fun episode. It's good to see Eagleton. And, and let's not blur together with the Eagleton tip off classic, which hopefully we'll address uh, a couple years down the road. That's <laughs> <Yeah, yeah. laughs> season six. <laughs> I think we need to have a competition between Parker Posey and Kristen Bell. I think, I think they need to, you know, to vie for uh, MVP of, of Eagleton at some point. Yes, patrician women, uh, uh, rich, rich uh, kind of snobby women. <laughs> Ingrid DeForest, played by Kristen Bell, and Lindsay Carlisle Shea, played by Parker Posey. By the way, it, it, how great when you, ha- when you can have those kind of people just, oh, by the way, we're, hello, Parker Posey, just coming in for the week. Oh, hello, Kristen Bell, I'm just here for the, the week. I mean, that speaks to... At this point, how how beloved this show was amongst um, the comedy people and 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 studs like that that they wanted to just come in and be a part of it. Yeah, leads of their own shows, capable of leading their. You can really tell, right? You know, guest actor comes in and like, yeah, yeah, you, you just kind of have it. You don't. I mean, guys, some at some point it, for with actors, I kind of feel like you kind of either have it or you don't. I mean, you can get better, but but you know, when you have that that those sort of chops and you have that sort of charisma, you know, you, you can't fake it. You can't fake it. Yep. All right, our oops moment in season two, episode six, Kaboom, which we did a podcast on before. Eagleton is mentioned as being two towns over from Pawnee, but now Eagleton borders Pawnee. I think that was necessary because we needed the fence uh, to be there. Um, oh, I see an optional previous oops. Ooh. Wow, I love just going back in time. Eduardo, April's Venezuelan boyfriend in season three, is not the same character in season two, Sister City. That character is Johnny. But for some reason, they're both from Venezuela. <laughs> I I think that is a genuine oops, right? I think we just renamed the guy, or I think we recast the guy. Maybe I don't know. <laughs> no, I'm not sure. I I just love the way Johnny is spelled in the notes. Yes, I remember. I wrote Sister City, so uh, uh, Johnny was spelled that way. It's J H O N N Y. And the backstory is there was a baseball player named Johnny Peralta who played for the Cleveland Indians, and his name was spelled J H O N N Y. A total trivia for because no one would ever see the name Johnny spelled out. So in the script, it was spelled J H O N N Y. That is true trivia. That's why you come here. This is this. this <laughs> That's is the why gold. you come here for for gold like that. Hey, it's it's it, you take our gold, right? Yes, You're right. not possessive. <laughs> All right, uh, episode MVP, most valuable Pawnee, and which character moment in this episode sticks out to you most, and why? When you have, listen, when you have, you got to give it to when you have a, a guest cast like Parker Posey. I mean, you just have to. I love it. I would say the garbage fight, also uh, Parker and and Leslie uh, fighting, uh, and then I would say also let's. Let's not forget uh, Chris kissing Ron. So, oh, <laughs> that thank is, you. That that is my runner-up MVP. Let's maybe they're co-MVPs because uh, it truly made me laugh out loud. Uh, listeners, let us know who your MVP was by tweeting Team Coco at Team Coco Podcasts or using the hashtag Parks and Recollection. 
Is this house a good price compared to others in the area? Are prices going up or down? If I don't make an offer right this very moment, will I miss my chance? These are just some of the questions a home buyer might ask. And these are the sorts of questions an agent who is a Realtor can help answer. Because Realtors have the expertise, data, and access to specialty training to help you navigate the process of buying a home. They provide support, guidance, and have your back every step of the way. That's what Realtors do, because that's who we are. Realtors are members of the National Association of Realtors. Legend has it, underneath the NJM insurance offices lies a mysterious room of long-forgotten moldy mascot memorabilia, often pitched by ad agencies, always rejected by NJM. Is it real? We may never know. But what is real is NJM's dedication to doing what's right for their customers. Astoundingly, they're proud to put policyholders first. No jingles or mascots, just great insurance. Learn more at NJM.com. Right. Should we do the town hall? It's a town holiday, not a town hall. I almost said town hall. Town hall. Town hall. Yep. Uh, where should we? I think we should do it at this wiffle ball park. Let's go play some wiffle ball at the uh, oh, yes. Bonnie Eagleton Lafayette Park wiffle ball park. Um, all right. This town hall comes to us uh, from Rachel from Maryland. Hi, Ellen, Rob, Greg, and everyone else who puts together this lovely podcast. I'm a huge Parks fan and love rewatching the series along with the podcast. My mom and aunts play Wordle and a lot of other related games every day. <laughs> One of these spinoff games is called Hurdle. Naturally, this makes me think <laughs> of You Heard with Purd. Would modern-day Purd make his own version of these popular games called Purdle? I like to imagine it to be a newspaper puzzle since Bonnie's stuck in the 90s, or Purd watching reruns of Wheel of Fortune and trying to solve them on his show. Do you think it would catch on with Pawneeans? And what do you think Pertle would look like? Thank you, Rachel, for Maryland, for sending in the question. Would it ca- would it catch on with Pawneeans? Ca- caught on with me. I would I would <laughs> buy download that game in a minute, wouldn't you? Yes, this is a fantastic question. This sets a new bar for a quest for town hall questions, Rachel. Very creative. Uh, I like to think, uh, yeah, Pawnee's stuck in this past. I think uh, the game uh, is uh, is played only on via BlackBerry. Yeah, to have a BlackBerry, <laughs> the mm. physical keyboard, and uh, I think. Uh, Purdle is uh, obviously hosted by Purd happily, and I think the answer every day is just the word Purdle. <laughs> so he's like, "Welcome to Purdle." Uh, the answer for today's Purdle, as it is every day, is Purdle. <laughs> so I think you just go in and type in Purdle every day. I also think it's one of those things where uh, local bad television tries to compete with in the off hours with with actual television, and and Purd might host his version of sort of family feud slash wheel of fortune shot in in Pawnee with like a really small studio audience. I think I would watch that show. Yes, I would too. And shout out to all the other Purtle uh, uh, or the other Wordle spinoffs out there. I've been playing something that sounds like Purtle. It's spelled P-O-E-L-T-L. Jake, it's named after NBA player Jacob Purtle. Jakob Purtle, I guess is how it's pronounced. Um, it's where you guess basketball players. Uh, I have a thread actually with Mike Shore from Parks and Rec where we send each other other games. There's one called, I believe, Sedek Cordal, which is like 64 words or something. So Wordle is one word. And then there's there's Dordle, there's Octordle, there's there's for, for more increasingly amount, uh, for increasing amount of words. And uh, we've gone crazy. There's also one called uh, 
God, I, th- I forget what it's called. Hurdle. Yeah, Hurdle is the is the is this is the music one, and then there's a, a movie one too, where you see stills. Anyway, I'm on a thread with uh with with Mike and uh, Mita Kimes of ESPN and, and Pablo Torre of ESPN, and we just send each other puzzle results all day. So uh, it's it's that's friendship now, I guess. It's just sending each other Wordle results. <laughs> <laughs> it is. It okay. Is. Uh, anything else to add, Rolo? We good? Well, I feel I'm I feel hugely satisfied. I feel like I've I've been kissed on the mouth by uh, Nick Offerman. It's a journey. What a feeling! Feel that mustache. Oh, feel those mustache bristles yeah. on your face. Uh, thank you very much for listening. Please subscribe where you get your podcast. Give us a five star review on Apple. It really helps. Thanks to Schulte and Greg as always. And goodbye from Pawnee. See you next week. Parks and Recollection is produced by Greg Levine and me, Rob Schulte. Our coordinating producer is Lisa Berm. The podcast is executive produced by Alan Yang for Alan Yang Productions, Rob Lowe for Low Profile, Jeff Ross, Adam Sachs, and Joanna Solitaroff at Team Coco, and Colin Anderson at Stitcher. Gina Batista, Paula Davis, and Britt Kahn are our talent bookers. The theme song is by Mouse Rat, a.k.a. Mark Rivers with additional tracks composed by John Danik. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time on Parks and Recollection. This has been a Team Coco production in association with Stitcher. Is this house a good price compared to others in the area? Are prices going up or down? If I don't make an offer right this very moment, will I miss my chance? These are just some of the questions a home buyer might ask. And these are the sorts of questions an agent who is a Realtor can help answer. Because Realtors have the expertise, data, and access to specialty training to help you navigate the process of buying a home. They provide support, guidance, and have your back every step of the way. That's what Realtors do, because that's who we are. Realtors are members of the National Association of Realtors. Here you are, BPMs high, sweat dripping, body moving, tongue panting. You're working hard, real hard, and you're thirsty. You need vitamins, nutrients for peak performance and energy. And your plants do too. Aw, I mean, just look at the little guy. Water-soluble plant food from miracle Grow is full of essential nutrients. Just a little scoop into your watering can and boom, instant feeding and bigger, more beautiful plants. It's kind of like a sports drink for your plants. You may have to suffer from heat, but your plants do not. 